0: Welcome to Cup of Cubby Blue, your off-season home for Cubs news, updates, and banter, where we are discussing all things playoffs and what is going on with the Cubs on a weekly basis. I'm Sarah Sanchez. I write about the Cubs at Bleed Cubby Blue, and you can find this podcast uh, anywhere you get your podcast by searching for Bleed Cubby Blue. Guys, I'm Andy Cruz Vanasek. I live in St. Louis. What's (laughs) up? Okay, so I was originally going to start with Cubs manager stuff, but should we just start with St. Louis stuff? Um, Sarah, listen, <laughs> I put this pod-
1: podcast off for a day or so, and that was a little bit, while it was not intentional, it worked out perfectly in our favor. So, yes, we're, of course, going to talk the demise of St. Louis in the playoffs first.
0: <laughs> okay, so if you live under a rock, uh, you might have missed that the NLCS is already over because <laughs> the Washington Nationals swept the St. Louis Cardinals in four games, and I, I'm i remarkably happy about this for a whole bunch of reasons that I'll get into in a minute, but I, I have a hunch that Andy is just downright ecstatic. Y'all, can you not hear
1: me smiling?
0: Like I even said,
1: as I was shutting my bedroom door, I said, honey, this is going to be an episode you're not going to want to listen to. And he's like, I <laughs> know. <laughs> so. Is Mr. Andy okay? <laughs> he's okay. He is okay. I will say this. He turned the, we turned the channel after the first inning. That was done. That was over. Yesterday. It was, it so was not was happening.
0: Yes. Yeah. It was not happening. So uh, um, if you weren't watching for any reason, um the nationals went up seven nothing over the cardinals in the first inning look the cardinals came back and kind of made it interesting in game four they scored four runs yadi hit a solo shot they actually got the bases loaded a couple of times i was a little worried that they were going to score some more but they they really just their offense died (laughs) and like If you are a Cubs fan who watched um, the Cubs this season and wondered, like, what was going on with their offense when they would just have these, like, all of a sudden stints where they could not hit and score, that is what happened to the Cardinals, except it happened to them in the NLCS. And it turns out that the Cardinals actually had some offensive struggles throughout the year. They were just able to get by on some better pitching and they beat the teams that they needed to beat, which got them to the postseason. Yeah.
1: I mean, let's be honest here. Their pitching was not going to sustain the numbers that it was producing at the end of the season. That was something that they, they had some very, very good runs with, um, you know, of a rejuvenated Adam Wainwright who looked like he was about 15 years younger than what he actually is. Um, I would love to find his fountain of youth, by the way, because he was a boss. I'm going to give him credit. He was a boss for being 38 years old. He was holding his own. And Flaherty was just, you know, untouchable, basically, from July on. So, yeah, we knew their pitching was good. But, yeah, they're at, like you said, their offense definitely had their ups and downs and had their struggles and was of some concern. Their defense also While it was, I think, one of the top in the National League, it was just a little suspect to me between, and I love him, everyone knows I love him, but between Dexter Fowler and center and Ozuna and left, that was just a tad bit alarming for me. And especially if you watched any of the playoffs, the NLDS or CS, Um, there were some plays in the outfield that was like, come on, man, there is no way that a team that's making or not making these plays is going to end up in the world series. It was just, it was concerning. So yeah, I mean, they definitely had favorable pitching and could have probably rode that into the world series if the nationals weren't so hot at the right time, but I don't think it would have gotten them very far to be quite honest.
0: No, I don't think it would have either. I mean, if you look at the teams that are left, the... Astros have elite starting pitching. They have at least two (laughs) Hall of Fame candidates in their starting rotation right now. I mean, Verlander and Greinke are that good. And that's not even talking about Garrett Cole, who is literally like the hottest pitcher on the planet at this moment in time. The Nationals rotation is sick. The Nationals rotation of Scherzer, Strasburg and Corbin is nothing to be messed around with. And what people are forgetting, and I keep seeing this on Twitter, so I'm just going to say it plainly right now, is that the best start of the series actually didn't belong to any of those three guys. It belonged to Anibal Sanchez, which like, that's crazy town that you have those three aces lined up and you can still get a better start from your number four guy. That is, that is good stuff right there for the nationals. Um, The Yankees don't have that same type of dominant starting pitching. They've got good starting pitching, but they have such a dominant bullpen that it almost flips that script. But the Cardinals, after Flaherty and after, like, what, is Miller the elite arm in the the bullpen? Like, they just don't have the pitching that matches up with any of those three teams. Yeah, I feel like it's a it's pretty much
1: a, a, a situation by situation game by game um, call in between you know who's who they pull in for like a middle guy and for an end reliever. I mean, it just I just feel like he's kind of all over the map with what he does there, and um, you know he surprised the heck out of me in the NLDS with how he worked Martinez. You know that was just crazy to me, and to to still you know put pretty much all your eggs in his basket as far as him being the reliever after he had just blown basically two games in a row was just kind of crazy but um yeah miller's been pretty um he's been used a lot i think helsley is somebody that they've come to rely on a little bit and i know you're saying who he's helsley is the one that um spoke up about the atlanta tomahawk, tomahawk top. top yeah and um he was the one that spoke up and. uh he he is of Native Indian descent, so that was an issue for him, which it should be an issue for all of us, but um, he did speak up, and, and that was, you know, confronted, but... Yeah, um, and props
0: to him for that, by the way. Like, I was really glad to see him do that. I was... I don't... I'm not going to pretend that what the Braves tried to do was anywhere near adequate enough. It was not. Like, their response was to not provide foam tomahawks to their fans for one game. They still and, played the and, song? You no, know, my favorite was they're like, we're, we're going to instruct them not to do it when Helsley is on the mound. And I'm like, that's, that's not really how this works. If you're yeah. doing something that's problematic, you don't stop doing it when the guy who cares is in the room. Right. <laughs> that is right. the opposite of how you fix a problem. Like do um, they
1: think that he's gonna be like in like a phone booth or something out in the in the bullpen when it's happening when he's God. not actually on the mound? Like, you know, like a, a a soundproof room or something. Like he's still, you know, on the field, like he can still hear what's going on around right. him. Like, it's just ridiculous. And they still played the song as much as they normally do. To me, it was just, it was totally looked over and yeah, they said it to, to make people happy and make people talk about it. And then it just, I just don't feel like it really anything different happened.
0: No, I agree with that. I I do want to go back to what you were saying though. Look, props to Helsley. He's been good. I consider him a strong arm. The Cardinals are lucky to have him, but I just, I don't think that Helsley and Miller and whatever is going on with Carlos Martinez in the closer role is close to what the Yankees are pulling out there in the late innings with Zach Britton and Errolis Chapman and Sean Green. I, it's just not. <laughs> it's, no, so no. But what I what I, and what I was trying to get at there, and I and I do think it's important. And frankly, like I think this is something that unless the Cubs were on a super hot streak, would have gotten to them too. It would have gotten to the Brewers too. No team in the Central this year was consistently elite at both offense and pitching. (laughs) Like they had moments where they could kind of pull it off or where things were looking better, but none of them had those moments like gel all at the same time. And frankly, the Nationals didn't either, but the Nationals look like they're getting their moment of everything coming together at exactly the right time. And I always thought that whoever won the NLCS was going to be the team that could have a sustained run at the right time. And it just, it looks like the answer was baby shark. If you had baby shark in the poll for like, what was going to jumpstart a team to get super hot at the right time, you win. <laughs> That's
1: crazy to me. That's just, it's just crazy to me, but I'm so happy for Davy Martinez and that whole team. I mean, if you got to watch any of the end of that game, Um, you know, one thing I did want to mention, I'm kind of backtracking a little bit and I apologize, but I'm kind of all over the place with my thoughts on this. Um, I think one thing that came into play that is being, um, overlooked quite a bit is the use of Flaherty in that lopsided game. Totally game five. Um, and I think he's not a pitcher. I mean, while he is, um, somebody that people consider a workhorse and he's very nose the grind, like willing to put in as many pitches as he needs to and just work 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 he's also not he's not been somebody that's been used that much throughout the season
0: yeah so so for those of you who maybe um, weren't watching the end of the NLDS Andy is talking about Flaherty throwing 115 pitches after the Cardinals had a 13 to nothing lead against the Braves in game five of the NLDS. And Schilt, after the game, was asked about this and was asked uh, if he would do that, if he did that on purpose, if he thought he left Flaherty in too long. And he defended that move. He said it was exactly what he planned to do. That was where he saw Flaherty pitching and he didn't want to change it at all. I thought that was ridiculous. I I don't remember what exactly I said on Twitter, but I definitely tweeted something like, what is is Flaherty still doing in this game? (laughs) And Uh, I was not alone.
1: And apparently,
0: yeah, Andy agrees.
1: (laughs) No, that was so. Listen, if I'm walking out of the first inning with a 10 run lead, I'm giving Flaherty like a 75 pitch count. Maybe not even that, maybe three innings or 75 pitches, whatever comes first. Let's get him out of there, get him rested so he's ready to go in the next round. I I think that whoever you're going to pull out of that bullpen or whoever comes in as a middle reliever or, you know, I mean, however you need to use your pitching staff, Flaherty is your ace. That's your top dog. That's the guy that's going to get you where you are trying to go. So if you're wasting him on a lead like that, to me, it's just nonsense. I mean, that just seemed like such an obvious move. And to blow that, I mean... If I'm a Cardinals fan, I'm questioning that for for the long haul because that was was ridiculous. And I mean, you know Flaherty's a competitor, so he probably, you know, wanted to be out there more than anything. But you got to think long term if you're trying to make it anywhere substantial in the playoffs, you know. So I was really kind of let down by that, and I thought that was a bad move on his part.
0: I thought it was a terrible move. Um, I thought I, I was really surprised that they did it. I thought that that gave them an opportunity to give him some rest or to like reset a little bit and they didn't take it. And I was, sh- I was shocked by it, frankly. Um, but yeah, I thought that did, ap- I, look, Flaherty still looked okay in his start. He just didn't look great and the nationals took advantage. Um, and that's all she wrote. The big problem for the Cardinals here was that they they were not hitting like Annabelle Sanchez had a no hitter uh, into the seventh inning. Max Scherzer had a no hitter into the sixth inning. <laughs> like you've got to get hits. Their their first two runs in the series were unearned. So, if you can't score and you're not hitting, you have a problem.
1: Um, okay, can I can I bring something else up that has kind of been bothering me because this has been brought up in a couple different threads and I'm sure that you've seen it. I don't know if you've commented on it because it gets exhausting talking to the BFIB. Oh, my God. Um, We're going to talk about that in
0: a second. You first.
1: Okay. My my issue with this NLCS series is the lack of attendance in St. Louis. Not only on a (laughs) Friday evening where tickets are literally $6. I'm going to put this in perspective for you folks. The middle of this season – Okay, not even the middle of season. September, when the kids are in school, it's the middle of the week, a Wednesday. I couldn't take my family of five to a Wednesday night Cubs-Cardinals game at Bush Stadium for less than $175. On Friday night, the NLCS, the second round of playoffs that your precious St. Louis Cardinals are in, you can get tickets, seated tickets, in the lower 300s for $6. That's a problem. That's a problem. So, okay, and I'm thinking it's cold, it's rainy. Fine, okay. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a pass on this one, even though I'm about to tell you where I'm coming from on this. Saturday, you look at it to begin with. Tickets are 40 dollars, still extremely cheap for NLCS game on a Saturday afternoon where it's gorgeous. Game time again, thirteen dollars, lower three hundreds, which are actually really good seats. Let me let me put this. In, in in perspective, why I'm so angry about this. Like, I don't know if you can hear it or not, but I really get worked up about this. When the Cubs were playing the Dodgers in the NLCS in 2016, my husband and I, my husband who is not a Cubs fan, and I drove up to Chicago, stayed with a friend. All the while, imagine how much this costs. Stayed with a friend for the weekend and met friends from Madison and Milwaukee, went and... Partied on the streets of Wrigleyville to watch the game with thousands of our friends in the streets because we could not get our hands on tickets because they were outrageously expensive, but rather than stay at home where it's freezing in Chicago in October, obviously um, at night, we chose to drive up there. we got child care for our children, spent money to drive up there, spent money on the whole deal. And still couldn 't afford to get a ticket to the game, but chose to watch the game in the streets outside of Wrigley now, why in the heck can I buy tickets to Bush Stadium where the Cardinals are in the n l c s but a couple years back cubs i couldn 't even couldn 't even dream of getting a stand room only ticket for you know what it would cost to take my family five to two games in the n l c s here in st louis like it's Girl, just crazy to me it 's crazy. It's- and all this talk about, well, we're spoiled and we're waiting till the next round. And, you know, people just, you know, they don't get as excited anymore. That is a shame. That is a darn shame. And it makes me sad for people that think that way because, and I, and I question your fandom. I really do. I question it because I don't care if I live four hours from, from here. If I can get a ticket for $13 to go to an NLCS game on a Saturday, I'm coming. I don't care what time I have to leave. I don't care where I have to sleep. I'm
0: going to the game. Like, this is crazy to me. I can, can attest. Andy will be at any good baseball game. Anytime. All you have to do is like, give her a reason to show up. Um, I, right. so Look, I made the mistake. I don't think it was a mistake. I did it on purpose and I would do it again. Of posting a screenshot of the StubHub prices, 30 minutes before the Saturday NLCS game on Twitter when you could get, and I don't don't know the seating map at Bush very well, but you could get in the door standing room only for $9 before fees. And you could get a seat for $10 in the 400s. I have no idea where that is. Um, And I was like, I I was shocked. Like I can't get those prices for a random Thursday night, (laughs) like in May, maybe in April, if it was like freezing rain outside. I think that the tickets at Wrigley go down to like $6 sometimes. (laughs) It's like people trying to play the, it's going to get rained out and it'll turn into a game in July game or something. Right. But like, I, I was shocked. Um, And I posted that mostly because I thought that the people who follow me, who are Cubs fans would find it amusing. Um, And what I wound up with instead was really interesting. So like the first day this was up (laughs) was a whole bunch of Cubs fans who found it really amusing. And just like general baseball fans were like, what is going on in St. Louis? Why are you not at this game? Right. <laughs> it's like 60 degrees and sunny. It looked gorgeous on Saturday. Um, the, what I got the next couple of days were just hordes for, for multiple days after the thing was posted, when the series was still going on in DC, just hordes of Cardinals fans coming at me with like some of the most despicable things that I've ever had said to me in my entire life. My mute got button got a heck of a workout I grew up in a coal mining town in rural Utah in a neighborhood of boys. And I heard things on that post that I've never heard in my entire life. So congratulations on your foul-mouthedness. Best fans <laughs> in baseball. Keep it classy, St. Louis. Wow. Like I was kind of shocked. Um, but really they all like most of the comments boiled down to one of the following. Eleven rings. Congrats. I hope they keep you warm at night. <laughs> Why do you think tickets should be in? Should be out of reach of the average family? You clearly do not understand how secondary markets work or how ticket prices are set. Oh, my gosh. And so great. I was just, what was the other one? Oh, and like what you were saying, the whole like we've been there and we're waiting. I don't even, it doesn't even matter. Like I was just like, look, none of this is the point. The point is that there are, <laughs> Very few teams remaining in the playoffs. There are four teams left out of all of the fan bases in the country. And every other fan base would be at that ballpark, maybe not at face value for the tickets, because admittedly, like, postseason tickets are super expensive. I bought them um, through lottery systems before. For reference, I bought um, two ALCS tickets in Boston in 2011. Yeah. 2011, Um, 11 or 13. I don't know. (laughs) The year that, the year that they played the Tigers. So um, I bought two tickets. Each ticket was $250 face value. They were in right field um, up quite a bit behind Pesky's pole. Do I know that those would sell for 250 on the secondary market? I, I suspect that they would in Boston, if they sold for like 180 or something, would I be shocked? Not particularly. If people were spending like $30 on those seats 30 minutes before the game, yeah, I'd be kind of shocked by that because that's not a thing that would ever happen in Boston. It's not a thing that would ever happen in Chicago. For reference, after like Cardinals fans came at me for multiple days, I started looking at the other games that were out there to see if they were similar. 30 minutes before the game in Houston, you could get in the door for $50 plus fees which admittedly is not face value, but also is not $10. 30 minutes before the game in New York, $109 standing room only. So they're still showing up for the Yankees in New York, and they've got 27 rings. So I'm not really sure why they're not tired of all of this. <laughs> St. Louis. Oh, and the Nationals, if you wanted to get in uh, to game three, so not the clinching game, so game three, was going to cost you $75 before fees just to get in the door in D.C. And D.C. is not a baseball town. They have lost teams twice. Not once, twice. <laughs> uh, you do not get to act like you are the most sanctimonious and ridiculous fan base in the universe if you cannot fill your stadium for the NLCS.
1: Well, I need to say a couple things real quick because um, it to me, at the point when they started coming at you was the point when they were down Oh two or maybe even Oh three. So of course it
0: got worse. The worse the Cardinals did. Yes.
1: And I will say in person, I live in St. Louis. I know everybody knows that I live in St. Louis in person. You could feel the shift in, I hate to use the word cockiness, but you could feel the shift in cockiness as the series went on. Like, People weren't walking quite as tall by me and they really weren't talking sports with me at all because it was just a conversation that would have hurt too much. But I promise you, if the shoe was on the other foot, they would bring it up without hesitation. And also on the radio yesterday before the uh, game for clincher. I heard them talking. I won't say what station. I was listening to a station that I listened to quite a bit. I heard them talking, and they do like this this quiz where they have a call person call in and they quiz them. And they said, prior to this year, there's one other team that was swept four straight in the NLCS. What team was that? <laughs> well, of course. They have that question and we all know who they're talking about, but the only thing that makes them feel better is making sure that there is somebody worse off than them. And in their minds, it's the Chicago Cubs and their fans. And I think it's quite entertaining and it is rent free real estate in their brains all day, every day, because let me tell you, the furthest thing from my mind is the St. Louis Cardinals. If we're in the NLCS. Furthest thing from my mind. And I live in St. Louis. I promise you, I'm not going to make a post about the Cardinals if I'm in the NLCS playing a different team. I mean, to me, it's just quite amusing. And it shows their um, insecurity quite a bit, I think is a good word for it. And uh, the fact that they come after a little brother, quote unquote, when they're feeling down about themselves.
0: Well, I, for one, am proud to be a temporary lifelong Nationals fan. Uh, (laughs) I'm just finding lots of things to love about this Nationals team. We're going to talk about a few of those things. We will also talk about the American League beyond their ticket prices on the other side of the break. And we will talk about the Cubs manager search. But we're about halfway through the show just talking about the Cardinals. Who could have guessed? So we're going to take a quick break for our sponsors. and. We're back. Uh, this Nationals team is super fun. I am not even sure who my favorite player on the team is. It kind of goes back and forth. I am a huge Juan Soto fan at this moment in time. I think he's really exciting and just doing great things. I also like, Sean Doolittle has been walking around all of these celebrations with a <laughs> lightsaber. And I saw that. That is so great. It's the greatest thing that I think I've ever seen. Is Sean Doolittle just walking around with like a beer in one hand big goggles on and a lightsaber in the background of all of these national celebration pictures um Sean Doolittle is also just like a force for good in the world generally if you follow his Twitter like he's always trying to make sure that the animals are okay and trying to make sure that unions are supported and just supporting independent bookstores and just generally doing great stuff um yeah, I'm I'm digging this Nationals team. What about you, Andy?
1: So I have this overwhelming need to go to Walgreens like all the time lately. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like I have not
1: been to Walgreens so many times in like five days and I don't know how long. Like it's crazy. But that logo really works. I have not forgotten a thing either. Um, I love this team. I think it is fantastic. You know, they're competitors. They have an amazing rotation. They've had a good rotation for a few years now that just couldn't seem to pull it all together. And I am so happy for Davey Martinez that he gets to be at the helm of this when it's all going down. Um, I'm happy for people like Matt Adams. I know that is such a, (laughs) it's such a random thing to say, but I met him a long time ago. He's a very, very nice kid. Um, you know, has done a lot of work on himself and improving himself and getting himself to a spot where he can contribute to a team that wins. And, you know, here he is on the other side of the diamond looking into a Cardinals dugout that he was once a part of and now finding himself being successful. Another thing that I think is so overlooked that I have seen a couple people mention it is how ironic is it now that the first season without Bryce Harper, this team is now going on to the world series. Like to me, that's just crazy.
0: Important. I I was thinking about that. I was thinking about that yesterday, partially because, like, look, and, and you sort of saw the writing on the wall when Juan Soto came up and was as good as he was, that the Nationals were not going to meet Harper's price, and they didn't need to. Um, and, frankly, I think the Nationals probably got the better end of that deal. I imagine the next five years of Soto will be worth more uh, not before you even get into the contract, like, just flat out wins a better replacement worth more than bryce harper um and he's a lot cheaper during those five years uh the but even but beyond that the thing that keeps sticking in my brain about this team that i really can't get over and, and full disclosure i consider it one of the great joys of my life as a single person with no children that i do not have to hear the baby shark song This is not an earworm I have to deal with on a regular basis. This is not something that, like, little people come up and sing at me. I don't know the hand motions. My coworker has explained them to me. I keep forgetting them. I have a soft spot (laughs) in my heart for the way the Nationals, like, have totally embraced this baby shark thing. (laughs) It's incredible. (laughs) Who knew that the worker was Gerardo Parra and baby shark all along? Uh,
1: yeah I listen i my my kids are not young enough to you know there was a point when it was funny, and it was funny more so just because you know my husband and I were annoyed by it, but it was never something that they were truly into or that you know stuck around the house very long. Thank God, but how funny is it? And I dare a cardinals fan to say something because between the squirrel and the salsa, I'm freaking over that crap the the shark the baby shark <laughs> is fine, it's fine. <laughs> it's good. whatever they need to keep moving more power to them. I mean, it's kind of hilarious to see all these grown men with this baby shark. I just don't understand it. It's just never stuck with me. So, you know, cool. If that gives you energy, if that's what you guys are using these days. Awesome. Personally, I would have rather gone in the direction of Walgreens because that seems to be working for me, but whatever. (laughs) I'm just happy you guys are going to the world series and it's going to be a fantastic world series.
0: So meanwhile, uh, there's a really great series developing between the Astros and the Yankees. I think the Astros have a two to one lead in that series right now. If you did not see game two of this series, it was epic. Uh, The Correa walk off and what I am calling a backdrop coupled with like a hand motion with like his ear to his hand to his ear was one of the great bat drops that slash bat flips of all time. If, if you've read my stuff on bat flips, you know that I believe there are categories and those categories should be distinguished and that a <laughs> bat drop is, is different. Um, that was fun. I, I am here for Carlos Correa doing whatever he wants with that bat.
1: Yeah. I mean, there, there is a whole lot of energy between those two teams and you almost just wonder if this goes, if this becomes a long series and how that's going to affect whatever team makes it onto the next round, because you just know there's a lot of emotion, a lot of adrenaline, and that can be quite taxing. And especially with Washington, a clean sweep in four games, they got, they have some time to rest. They have some time to, you know, kind of lay low but you know at the same time i feel like that can also kind of backfire on a team so it'll be interesting to see how this pans out now game game 4 was supposed to be
0: today and was postponed because so, wait
1: wait because of
0: a bomb cyclone in the forecast now, that's crazy I, i'm not a meteorologist apparently this is like a real term bomb cyclone sounds like a thing you should not even attempt to play a baseball game through I mean, yeah, <laughs>
1: it sounds like something you, you yeah, I, th- 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 thank goodness they don't have those here. Let's just put it that way. Those <laughs> I just words- know that
0: I was sitting on my couch <laughs> this morning, this morning, like drinking my coffee and they were talking about the weather forecast and I'm like a cyclone would be bad enough. Right. I'd be like, Oh, there's a cyclone headed for New York. We should totally cancel the game. And they're like, it's a bomb cyclone. And I was like, what? <laughs> it. I was like, wow, that's like an actual thing that, is apparently being talked about, a bomb cyclone.
1: Okay. And just for the record, if a bomb cyclone came to Bush Stadium, I would understand it not being full.
0: <laughs> right. You are <laughs> allowed to have $10 tickets when there's a bomb cyclone. St.
1: Right. But that would be the only reason, people. The only reason. Sorry. I'm clearly very upset about this still. Um, but, yeah, so that game was postponed. So the, the talk for that was how that's going to affect – The rotation and the bullpens and everybody's going to be going on full rest. And so, you know, you're looking at kind of a, uh, I think this is going to be a long series and you're looking at pitchers really putting their all into getting to the world series. So now you almost wonder, what those performances are going to look like once they get there. And Washington is kind of sitting back like, you know, we're going to be fully rested. We can start a rotation how we normally would or play the matchups. However, you know, they're going to be at a full advantage when it comes down to it. So it'll be really interesting to watch the rest of the ALCS and, and see what transpires and, and how that goes. But yeah, I mean, the world series this year, I think is going to be crazy. And I I hope everybody is buckled up.
0: I mean, I just, I want only good things for my newly beloved Nationals. I <laughs> I like the fact this is their first time in a World Series since like 1933 or something crazy. That's nuts. Like I feel kinship to that. I understand I understand what that feels like. And also Davey Martinez is great and Max Scherzer should have a ring.
1: So Okay, I have to stop you and correct you because I read this today and I did go look it up. There was a Negro League team in 1948 from the Washington <laughs> area that went to the World Series. Oh, okay. Okay. So um, Do not let MLB tell us 1933. It was 1948, that. but I it's still been that. a really long time. I mean, that's still a really long time. But that's Thank what you they for want calling you that out
0: because that's yeah. the first I've heard of that, and that's kind of shameful. That that's the the first I'm hearing of this is right now. Yes, and I was actually trying to look I up apologize. the team really
1: quick, but my phone is oh gosh, no, I'm sure I'm one of very few that saw that, but um, I I cannot find the name of the team. I will find it before we hang up. I promise.
0: Okay. Um. So let's, we've, we've got a few minutes left here. We've got about 10 minutes left. Uh, let's talk Cubs manager updates. So if you missed it, Joe Madden has signed a three-year deal with the Angels. He is headed back to Anaheim. And this is a good fit for Joe. I was a little surprised because it sounds like, I mean, that's a team that's going through a lot right now with the Tyler Skaggs investigation. It sounds like there is an opioid problem that extends to multiple players. From the front office, which I sort of thought that might make Joe a little hesitant um, to take that particular job, it doesn't seem to have done that. He, they announced the deal today. It's it's a lovely returning home story in the sense that that's where Joe Madden was a bench coach and for all those years. Um, what do you think of Joe Madden as the manager of the Angels? I think that they um,
1: got that right because they're definitely going to be um, in a spot where the media is gonna have their eyes on them for a little while um, with this whole investigation and how that's how it's handled internally and by the by major league and and everything else And I think Joe is somebody that you really um, I mean, it's so unfortunate, but he, he, you know, he handled some issues that w- the Cubs had in their off season. He didn't do the best job. He could have done better, but he also tends to make you feel a little bit better about things when you walk away, even if he's not saying it the right way, if that makes sense. Like he has a very comforting, um, intelligent way of, of saying things that make you kind of feel warm and fuzzy. So I think that was a smart move in that sense. As far as what he's going to do for that team, I think everyone knows. I mean, Joe is a winner. He is a competitor. He is somebody that brings a very unique flair to wherever he goes and whatever he does. And he's it's going to be no different with the Angels. And, you know, I've I've read some tweets. I read a tweet from his daughter today. I know they're very excited to have him back in the area and have him back out there. Um on more of a permanent basis so you know it, it it made sense for both sides and it was something that i feel like was very inevitable and i'm happy for him and i wish him much success we don't play the angels i believe until 2022 now or er, yeah
0: we, yeah we don't play them next year for sure um somebody on one of our friends on twitter who i'm blanking on i apologize i can't give you credit uh, was talking about how if you want to go see joe next year you got to go to watch the white Sox. Um, which, uh, well, incidentally, I do every time the Angels come into town anyway, because I want to be able to say I saw Mike, Mike Trout play in his prime.
1: So they, we will play them in spring training. I do know that. We do play them in March, um, twice in, in March. I think once at the very beginning and then once right before the regular season. So um, there is that if you're a spring training person. I, unfortunately, am not going to be a spring training person next year. But um I, you know, I, I just, I wish him nothing but the best, and that was a very good move for them, and very smart. And I will definitely have an eye on the Angels next year.
0: Yeah, so that's a three-year deal, somewhere between twelve and fifteen million dollars total, which seems about right. Um, and now you all get to watch what Joe Madden will do with Shohei Otani on his roster. So that's going to be fun to see. Uh, um, okay, couple- can I? I want to jump in real quick before I lose sight
1: of this. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so the 1948 Negro World Series was between the Washington Homestead Grays and the Birmingham Black Barons. So, yeah, there you go.
0: That's awesome. Uh, Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad that I'm glad to be corrected on that. Yeah, I I, I thought it
1: was pretty cool when I read it and I made sure I looked it up. I just couldn't remember their name. So, there you go.
0: Good stuff. Um, Okay. Let's talk about the Cubs manager for a second. Last time, Andy and I kind of went in depth on some of the candidates uh, internally that people are talking about. David Ross, Will Venable, Mark Loretta. Um, We have a few other candidates who have come in to interview now. And so um, it seems like we should just do a second to talk about both of them. Joe Espada, who is the Astros bench coach, interviewed um literally in the middle of the ALCS as the as he was making the trip from Houston to New York so I thought that was particularly interesting and this one I am not a fan of but I'll, I'll wait and let Andy go first uh former Phillies manager Gabe Kapler uh came in to interview for the Cubs job and I'm, I might lose my mind if that happens so I've asked the question numerous times
1: on Twitter, and no one seems to want to answer me, or maybe they just don't have an answer. But my whole thing is, why are we still bringing in people if um, one of the previously interviewed candidates is a shoe in And I understand you have to do your due diligence. I get all that. But why add candidates if you have somebody that you're so sure of? Um, so well, I I feel a little uneasy about this, but I also kind of feel like maybe they're like doing some spy work, like getting some ideas from these guys that they can maybe turn and use with somebody like, I don't know, Ross, who, who doesn't really have a ton of manager has no managerial experience as a matter of fact. So maybe they're taking bits and pieces from all these different managers that they're interviewing. I don't know. I'm just, I'm kind of, I'm kind of confused. If you have some insight on this, I, I would love to hear it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I think I think at least a couple of these candidates are there for um, Intel mining purposes. I um, I saw that uh, argument made in the Athletic, and I've seen it made a bunch of times, specifically with the Kapler interview. I mean, the reason the Kapler one—if it is anything other than just information gathering—I am shocked by that. Yeah, because yeah. he was That's, not a yeah. good man. He was not a particularly good manager in Philadelphia. He underperformed while he was there, and he is tied to some pretty shocking scandals with the Dodgers when he was in their front office in terms of um, there's, there's a Washington Post story on this. So I'm I'm not like outing anything that is not already readily available in terms of how he dealt with an issue between some of their minor league players and a sexual assault allegation. And I, (laughs) please no, for the love of God, Theo, please no, do not bring, in Gabe Kapler to be the manager of the Chicago Cubs with that type of history out in, on the public record, please. Yeah. I I
1: just, I was really somebody that intrigued me and, and um, kind of, kind of like a Will Venable, but at the same time, I just, like you said, it just information mining and, and getting, you know, bits and pieces of ideas and thoughts and stuff from different, you know, different, stretches of managers that have just been in a lot of different situations than what we've been in up to this point. And I don't know, I think that Ross is probably who they're going to end up naming. And, you know, and we'll just all have to be good with that one way or another, whether or not we we love that choice, or we don't love that choice. You know, we don't really have a say in the matter. So well, um,
0: speaking about Espada for a second, I, I think Espada is a really interesting candidate. He might be the only candidate that I like as much as David Ross. He's got more, obviously, coaching experience because he's been a bench coach, whereas David Ross has not. Um, It's not that far out of left field. That's what the Red Sox did hiring Cora um, when he was the bench coach for the Astros. So you figure he's managing some big spots. He's seen some big games, those types of things. That's an intriguing idea to me. Um, I sort of think, I got to think it's Espada or Ross. Uh, Ross has not interviewed for other managerial jobs, to my knowledge. So that I think is kind of interesting. It's sort of like Cubs are bust. there.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, he, he's, he's somebody that's obviously very familiar with the franchise and knows, you know, everybody walking through those halls. So it feels comfortable. But you cannot, in this situation that we're in, in the time frame that we're in, and what we've had come through our our franchise over the past few years, you can't do something because it's comfortable. Like it needs, you need to have all the reasons in the world. And if there's anybody else that could possibly make any bit of sense, then you have to explore that option. And I, yeah, like you said, Espada is very intriguing and I'm, I'm glad that he was brought up because I know I read a couple of folks on Twitter had had mentioned him way early in the game and never really heard much about it. And then all of a sudden, you know, two more, Interviewees were announced. So, yeah, I'll be curious. I I know a lot of people are predicting that we'll have somebody named by the World Series. So, we'll see if that happens.
0: Yeah, I don't know when they're going to announce it. They would have to try to announce in between the end of the ALCS and the start of the World Series. I think, if I recall correctly, MLB doesn't like there being big announcements during the actual series themselves. So, usually things get announced, um, they bookend it or they do it like in between. Uh, it'll be interesting for sure. We'll definitely make sure that we have a special edition of Cup of Cubby Blue ready to rock if the Cubs do in fact name a new manager. Um, speaking of other places and special editions that you might be able to hear us, uh, Andy and I are both going to join our friends at Tiger Sports Radio Detroit tomorrow, and we'll make sure to post that on the Twitter account when that goes live. And Andy, you have something else coming up. What's that? Yes.
1: Yeah, so I was invited on Chicago Sports Talk, Sean and Maya in the Morning, which is a streamable Um, I guess like radio show it's streamable on logic music app or on Facebook. You can find them on the, uh, Sean and Maya and Sean and Maya show. So they are going to, um, just spend a couple minutes with me Friday morning, talking about Chicago sports, all the stuff going on with the Cubs, um, and just kind of wherever that leads. So that is a live stream. So, um, it's, it's, it's going to be all kinds of raw Andy on Friday morning. So, um, that happens about nine 30 in the morning. And like I said, they stream everything through Facebook. You can log on or go follow their page now. So you're alerted, but I will be talking with Sean and Maya on Friday morning.
0: Awesome. I can't wait to hear that. Um, and we will make sure to share a link for that on Friday as well. Uh, until then we will be keeping our eye out for any new information on all things Cubs offseason, managers, and the ALCS and World Series. Until next time, bye.